Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And you're very welcome back to the Huddle Breakdown. It feels like it's been months since we sat on a call and recorded a podcast for you. I think it's actually been like two or three weeks at least, so apologies for our absence. There hasn't been much going on in terms of games. Our schedules haven't linked up in the way that we would have liked. But we're back now and back on time for the transfer window deadline. We are recording this at 6pm on Thursday, so if there are any transfers late on tonight, we will not have touched on them. So this podcast is going out on Friday. We recorded it on Thursday night when we could get together. So I said to the lads, if Lionel Messi signs for Celtic in the space of the next couple of hours, we won't be talking about it. So in case you're wondering why we're not talking about that, that is why. So welcome along to the show. Alan is with me as always. Alan, how are you? Welcome back. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, good. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and Joko James is with me as well. Uh, we're all very cheerful today. This is a this is a really this is going to be a fun listen for everyone involved. People have been dying for us to come back for the last couple of weeks just to bring a bit of cheer into their lives. So James, it's the perfect time. Transfer deadline day. It is. I've I've spent the last week um, like a beached sperm whale laying on a beach, hopefully that I don't get harpooned with my pale whiteness. Um, so I have a slight pinkish hue and, and that's if anyone, if, if it's hurting people's eyes that are silly enough to watch this on YouTube. Um, yeah. So I, I was following all the transfer window fun, uh, water side, water edge side in, in the Car- Caribbean. Um, so yeah, let's, let's get into it. Let's, let's talk about all the good news that's been blossoming. Okay, so we'll run through all the rumors and all the signings. That should take about 20 seconds, <laughs> and then we'll figure out how to fill some airtime over the next uh, 40 minutes or so. Right. So, well, so, so, sounds like my wife's poor experience in, in oh, Jesus, on vacation. We I mean. We're back. We're back. <laughs> Cut the show. Cut the show. We're done. We're never we coming talk, back. We talk uh, about the, the B team and the, you know, the. <laughs> the Lowland League. Maybe let's talk about that. <laughs> right. We we may as well start with the one that broke last night, meaning Wednesday night, um, and that is Adam Ida from Norwich is probably going to come in as a loan signing. Um, it seems to be a backup to Kyogo, a rival for O. I don't partic- particularly know why or where this has come from. 
in terms of quality settings i'm not I, I i'm not going after him as a human being because he actually i've I've met him before he's a, he's a great guy great character he works hard i i will put that, that all down but in terms of the quality marking that brendan rogers has asked for i'm sorry but adam Ida is not going to be the guy who pushes kyogo for that number one spot at celtic i don't understand where this transfer has come from it seems like a panic thing even by a panic stand standpoint I don't understand where this transfer has come from. Uh, for those who haven't seen much of them, and I understand if you haven't, because he's been playing championship football for most of it. He's a big centre forward. I think he's six foot three. Um, decent in the air without being that good. Decent in the box without being particularly threatening. His finishing is good when he can get his touch correct, but his touch is often not correct. So, um, you know, it's a witty with it either way and the final thing i would say the best description and it's the description i gave the lads is that he is he has the hold up play of jackamacus without having any of the finishing to actually improve on him as an overall player i think this is a stinker of a signing he hasn't been able to (laughs) make an impact on norwich in the low levels of the championship he's not going to be the man who's going to come and score 25 goals for Celtic this year, Alan. That's as harsh as I'll ever be on an, an, another Irish player again. So I just want to clarify, that is on the player himself based on the standards that I w- would want from a Celtic signing, not on himself as a as a person. So of course. What, what do you make of this signing? Follow that. Thanks, Ed. <laughs> well, uh, given he's Irish, I, I can't think of a more damning indictment than testimony than I've just and, uh, given. You know, yeah. given that I was Liam Scales' fanboy because he was uh-huh. Irish, I think it's it's a fair fair thing that I, I give my honest opinion. Yeah, that's no, all used up, and uh, you got uh, nothing uh, left for poor yeah, Ida. I was I was wondering when you're. I've gonna only start. got room for one Irish self in my heart. I wondered when you were going to start being honest and start stop pussyfooting around the issue. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I'll be honest, I've never seen the guy play, right? But I've listened to people who have watched him a lot and I've done the sort of data bit. And yeah, he, he just looks like a really bad footballer, unfortunately. It seems like he's, what I'm told is, I think I believe his best performance for for Ireland was uh, away in Portugal when his job was to basically run and press and harry the defenders for ninety minutes because he never had the ball and brilliant. It's really going to be useful. <laughs> the Scottish Premier League, um, yeah, it doesn't look inspiring. It, it looks like a. It looks like he's got all the worst bits of Ollie Burke, with um, and some some of the best bits if, he, if he's if he's a pressing monster. Listen, I can't get too upset about this because you know I think with Kyogo. And Maeda as strikers, I think Abada can play do 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 good things in that role. And with O, it's not it's not something I think you know that's that's, that's going to cause us too many issues. Um, it, it almost doesn't matter who you have in the centre forward position if you're not going to give them the ball in the six yard box. Frankly, I think that's more of an issue for me than than who's actually got that shirt at the moment. So yeah, I, it, it's not great, but. I don't think in the grand scheme of things, I don't think, unless Kyogo gets injured tomorrow, of course, which the way things are going this week, he may do. Um, but yeah, I can't get too excited about it. But yeah, it, it looks a very poor, poor signing. I think what's most disappointing about this, James, though, and probably why I'm a little bit more riled up about it than usual is that it it, it is just, it's it's almost like we hit the reset button 
from last year where we had our transfer business done before the January transfer window came around. Same with the summer. We almost knew who Celtic were bringing in the door before the transfer windows happened. That's how most good clubs run. And I know that we've spoken about, you know, the potential issues with that as well and some of the dead wood that has been left over from that strategy with Ange. But this seems like we are back to Shane Duffy coming in transfer deadline day to be the saviour of the transfer window to sort of pander to fans and say, we didn't do completely nothing. We brought in this guy. I think he might be emblematic of the club having reached a fork in the road. And I talked about this several weeks back about the risk of almost like an intersign power struggle within the club uh, relative to what Rodgers may have thought he was signing up for coming back to the club and strategically trying to make Celtic relevant in Europe again and what the kind of strategic vision is of um, the leadership of the club, whether that's at the board level or uh, the recruitment level. And and I think that does flow downhill, by the way. I mean, I know that the recruitment team's the convenient punching bag with all of this, but I, you know, I suspect a lot of this is, is occurring um, above their level. And, you know, it, it comes down to what's being served up as options to Rogers uh, from a budgetary perspective and um, availability perspective and trying to get those people to come to Celtic. And I, and I think some of that is just not a great situation for, for the club to be in. So I could see a situation where they're bringing Rogers options that meet the criteria that are being set, not by him, but by the board and not even by the recruitment team and saying, you know, these are the criteria we're we're not going to pay him more than 20 grand a week or whatever that might be. And they got to meet this age profile. And, you know, um, the, the, this is the categories that we have. Um, and Oh, by the way, there's no post, you know, Christmas European football for Celtic. So you're talking about, you know, what 16 games left or 15 or 14 or whatever we're down to now for loan players. What's the profile for them? Um, so it, it, it's just not a great situation relative to what's going on in the market dynamics. Um, so I, I think the issues here are far more strategic. And I think that the EDA siding is emblematic of that, that, you know, the fact that there's no uh, buy option to this, th- this looks like a triage signing because we, the manager does not feel he has enough depth at the striker position which again, I think is reasonable given that Kyogo's walking around with one shoulder. Um, and, you know, this guy does have a different profile. Um, now, is it a profile that I, again, I don't, I haven't looked at him closely yet, so I'm not going to comment. I don't know is my answer. I took a peek at some of his um, history. I'll do one of my normal benchmarking exercises when, when they, if, and when they announce it officially um, and, and probably put a thread out and maybe comment on it here next week. But uh, so I'm not, I can't judge or, you know, offer any insight there. But I, I think what he looks like suggests to me that this is evidence that they're – I don't want to necessarily call it – because there is a positive way to spin this, meaning that if if what's been served up to Rodgers has been clearly not 
of a level that he finds worth spending the money on, meaning that we just went through a window. We spent a bunch of money on stuff that players that maybe he, you know, again, he's not blameless in any of this. Maybe he was overly confident in seeing what happened under Ange and thinking that the recruitment process and the quality of the squad and all of these things was higher than they probably were. That's been my view the whole time um, that, you know, not enough good stuff's being brought to him. And again, when he's saying, I want effectively, if you take what he's said since he returned, we are now a net down of six players of what he would say is needed to get to what he has said is the strategic level that he wanted to get to. And if the stuff that's being brought and put in front of him is not at that level, what is that level? That's the minimum Carter Vickers, Jota, you know, that level of player conceptually, I haven't seen, you know, even the rumored names. The only one that I've seen is even theoretically in that group is uh, the Dutch striker, Kvistgarten, that's been rumored and talked about. Um, and I did do a benchmarking process on him and I, he looks legit. Uh, outside of that, I haven't even in the rumored name. So I could see that's the positive spin on this is that we're going to maybe migrate towards um, – a better process as far as what segment of the market to address. But that's the worry because I, I have heard or seen no evidence that the club have that appetite to structurally move up the market that we're shopping in to the kind of five to 8 million area and bump up the wage bill. We keep spending a lot of money on a lot of mediocre players and spreading our bets and having this bloated squad um, so, you know, maybe this is turning to, that's my optimistic part is that getting rid of a bunch of these players, whittling down the squad, getting guys out on loan, selling guys like Turnbull, if that goes through and all these other things is to create the, the bandwidth in, um, the wage bill in order to, you know, upgrade, mm-hmm. um, go quality over quantity. Yeah. Um, but well, I, the, Ida is not it. No. So eat, eat is evidence of a transition period that, and that's, this goes back to the whole other conversation about how the hell is this happening now with what's at stake between now and June uh, is ludicrous, but I, I, you know, that's the positive spin is if we can somehow still win the league that maybe what needs to get done is going to happen in the summer. Cause it doesn't look like it's happening now. Yeah. Well, like my expectations going into the January transfer market are always quite low. Like it is very difficult to get good signings in, in January. That's just a fact across the board. There's just a couple of issues that just niggle away at me in terms of, I think the EDA deal encapsulates a lot of issues within the board. The first is and apologies if I, I think I'm correct in saying that Van Hoydenk from Bologna was Celtic's number one target um, as a striker. Am I correct in saying that? I, 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 who knows? Like he was rumored, or he was rumored as a as a target. So, yeah, I just wanted to make sure because I've been off Twitter for a while. So I just wanted to make sure I had the right name. So Van Hoydink is now linked with a move to uh, to Norwich from Bologna. So Norwich seemed to be, you know, shedding off a little bit of load in Ida to make way for Van Hoydink to come to the club. 
So for me, that screams a little bit of board talk. Norit said, we're going to take Van Hoydink. We're sort of taking over your turf here. We'll give you Ida as a little bit of sweetener to just get it over the line. And there's just a handshake in a boardroom and this happens without Brendan Rodgers' consent. That's number one issue for me in terms of if that is what's happening here. The second issue that I have here is that Ida, I think most people would agree, is not going to be a starter for Celtic. He's probably going to struggle to even, you know, push O out of the second starter position in the striker position. And if this is a situation where the board have brought in Ida as a sweetener to either Rogers or the fans just to quieten things down, you're playing with someone's career there. That, like, I know Ida's agent has to agree to it. Ida has to agree to come up to the club. But I'm sure they're not saying to Ida that, oh, you're going to be the third choice uh, striker here. You're going to be a backup player. I'm sure they're saying to Ida, you're going to be pushing for the starting team. And I don't think that's fair because if Ida flops at Celtic and Celtic flop in the second half of the season, that is a young player you are putting in the firing line as the scapegoat for what went wrong this season just like Shane Duffy was the scapegoat for what wrong what went wrong throughout the COVID season. And I just don't think that's fair to do to someone's career if you're thinking of from uh, from a personal standpoint uh, with Ida in mind. This it, it shouldn't be down to him being a scapegoat for the rest of the season if the problems are in the board level and in the sort of recruitment level. I, I don't know if I did an absolute disgusting job of trying to explain what I'm trying to talk about there, but Alan, do you kind of get the gist of what I'm saying there? Yeah, I mean, it, it's football and it's a nasty business, unfortunately, and people's feelings often don't come into it. I mean, I, I think, so this is going to be what I'm about to say, some might frame as bored apology stuff, but what I want to actually do, what I will do, is we need to be also a little bit realistic about the, the whole market and environment in football at the moment. And, and, and I think some people just expect Celtic to go out and buy three or four players and what have you, but if you if you know if you notice what's happening in the actual market a lot of the european football market is driven by what happens in the english premier league it's the wealthiest league it's the league that generally spends the most money and they simply haven't been doing that in january i think there's uh, i don't know what's happened today i've not really been on online much but you know up until maybe a few days ago there'd been maybe 50 million spent in the whole window and that was 20 million of that was tottenham buying one player um now last january there was 800 million spent in January, so in, in England they're simply not spending money, um, and a lot of that has got to do with um, was it, there's a few reasons for it. One one of which is the just the regulatory environment. So um, the English uh, uh, football authorities are getting very uh, active in terms of uh, implementing their own version of financial um, sustainability rules, and we've seen Everton and Nottingham Forest. Um, on on the uh, being being penalised and docked points, fined, etc. for for failing uh, in terms of some of the some of the cost control, some of these pillars of FSR. And so there's a lot, and so a lot, and a lot of that is political. A lot of it is because the English uh, football authorities are trying to um, show that they've they're in charge, that they've got control of the game, because they don't want to have this independent regulator foisted upon them by the government. You know, so they're they're getting tough on clubs, but but also. You know, over a three-year period under UEFA FSR, the the cost control measures start to get a lot more onerous. So that by not next season but the season after, your your wages can't be more than seventy percent of your football income, and so we're kind of next year it goes down to eighty percent. So that's 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 exercising the minds 
of a lot of boardrooms in England. And that's part of the reason why, you know, there's, there's, there's not a lot of activity going on at the moment. There's basically essentially a logjam in player movement in England. And if there's a logjam there, that has a, has a contagion effect across the rest of Europe. So that's the environment that Celtic are operating in. Um, you know, and it's not just regulation. Um, you know, and, 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 and you know, even though there are, as well as one Scottish club, there are at least four English clubs on on FSR watch list, uh, UEFA level. Um, the other thing is that you know that some of the some of the some of the some of the uh, uh, transfer activity in the last year or so has been fueled by the Saudi league. Well, that's kind of been reined back massively now. The Saudis just aren't spending the money that they that they that they had been spending uh, in the summer and 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 over the year before that. So, you know, that again, that has taken a lot of liquidity and movement out of the market. And in fact, you know, there's 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 mutterings from some players that are over there that they want to come back. Jordan Henderson's always given up almost given up. Karen Benzema seems to be wanting to to give up on it. So that 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 was a a a, a sort of um, you know disruptor, but also a, a, something that's adding a lot of liquidity to the market. That's not happening anymore. And then the second thing is we've got two the third thing, sorry, is we've got two major uh, in, you know, continental competitions going on at the moment in the uh, the African Cup of Nations and in the Asian Cup. Now, you know, there's at least 31 players from the English Premier League at the African Cup of Nations. There's eight at the Asian, Asian Cup. And across Europe, clubs have got a lot of players in these competitions. What does that mean? It means that, you know, those players are not really in the market or on the market. And it also means that clubs are not selling players they might have sold uh, because they don't have currently, you know, they're, they're, a lot of their players are are away, um, you know, uh, on on international duty. So, and, and that these tournaments run until the middle of February. So, you know, it, it, they they came at a time when the transfer window was open. So, all of those things, all of those things, have served to to make this almost a unique transfer window. If you look at the last ten years, in terms of lack of movement, lack of liquidity, and Celtic, you know, are a victim of that, as as are many clubs in terms of their ability to get deals done. So I think we've got to be fair to the club in that respect. Um, so moving on to things that are maybe not as fair to the club, then, um, as, as, as I've been saying, as I've been saying for for a long You're time. You're a board apologist, Alan. You're a board apologist. I know. As I've been saying for a long Is time. Desmond, Dermot Desmond paying you to be on this podcast? Isn't Absolutely. He? Yeah. Another, another loyal puppet. Loyal, 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 loyal puppet. I can't even. Easy for me to say. Um, yeah. Listen, we've, as I've been saying, and I think when I rec- we recorded in the summer, I said, you know. For my to-do list, the biggest issue is we've got far too many players. Until we don't reduce the wage, because Celtic are not immune from these FSR cost control constraints as well, right? We've simply we've got thirty odd, we've got about thirty players. We've got eleven players out on loan, and we've got thirty players in the first team squad. It's too many, right? And we've done a really bad job of uh, of trimming the squad. And we can't just keep adding players to it and keep adding to the wage bill. It's ludicrous. So, so that's another reason why I think we're we're kind of uh, not been doing as much as much business. Um, but you know, having said all that, having said all that, I think what James was talking about, I completely agree with. Uh, t- t- you know, if you look at what what we've moved from kind of what we know to what we can speculate by what we see, you know, we've got we've got over the last week we've had one of Peter Lowell's you know favorite bloggers making quite I would say quite stunning attacks on Rogers, right? Um, which you know, suggests to me all is not well behind the scenes in that regard. And I think what I've heard is very similar to what James says, which is that, and, and if you read a certain blog today, you can read between the lines uh, on this, which is that Rogers is being presented with players he simply doesn't think are good enough to come to Celtic. 
and that and that and that, and I, you know, I think I think James was was being quite generous and saying that well that might be to do with cost control and so forth budgets etc and that that I accept that, that there could be an element of that uh, and and it may equally be an element of you know we just don't have the standard of recruitment people to to actually um, form the relationships to uh, do you know do the work etc needed to get you know the, the really high quality players uh, identified so i think having said all that it's a different as i've said to summarize it's a really difficult environment in general in football at the moment for transfers i think we have to accept that and, and recognize that, that will have an impact on on celtic for many reasons but at the same time um i you know I, it doesn't look to me as if based on the evidence of my eyes it doesn't look to me that the, the club are doing doing very well by rogers in terms of what they're presenting to him from a recruitment perspective, mm. and and clearly, to me, there's tension there, which is not a good thing. Yeah, this podcast is sort of like a mixture of torture and therapy, in the way that <laughs> you're trying to find new ways of speaking about what's going on, and it always comes back to the same underlying issue. Like people who have, you know, daddy issues, and it always comes back to that in therapy. It's like, no matter what the problem is, it always comes back to the childhood. And now with Celtic, it's like, we cannot have a discussion around whether this guy is good enough to come to the club without discussing the board level and the recruitment and everything that we've spoken about on multitude of occasions on the podcast. In terms of the outgoings, I think that's an interesting point, Alan, because uh, without stressing the analogy too much, because it's not perfect, Celtic are sort of like in the position where Manchester United are in, where the recruitment has been so bad over the last couple of years, but the prestige of playing for Celtic and Man United and the wages that come from that, some of the players within the club, why would they leave? Because they'll never get to play for a club with the prestige of Celtic or the wages that Celtic can offer them. Because ultimately, if Celtic try to sell them, they'll be selling them for pennies to a League 2 side, a League 1 side, or some side in like the Bul- Bulgarian second division. You know, like that's the reality of some of the players that are at the club that have not played at all, almost. Um, and then you have the, the board unwilling to offload these players for those pennies because it's almost saving their faces a little bit that it would be admitting that, oh, these 10 players, by the way, we brought them to the club for a combined 5 million. We're selling them for a combined 125,000. That's our bad. They don't want to do that. So it's sort of a mess at the minute and you do need to ship those players out to bring new players in. It's just going to take a powerful man. And James, that's ultimately the issue here and probably what Alan's touching on is there are probably three names I can throw out to you now, one being Brendan Rogers. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The other one being our overlord, uh, Mr. Dermot Desmond. And the other one being the guy who apparently is in running things in the background by the name of Lol. And I'd say all three of them want to pull the club in a different direction. And all three of them want to be the the deciding factor of where the club goes. And there's a lot of tension within that because they all, they all have different ideas. So I would imagine that's probably the crux of the, what we're seeing right now with why it looks all looks so muddled. I would say it looks muddled because it is muddled. 100%. And I think that the, you know, when you when you come back to this issue of tiering the marketplace and where we're targeting the population of players that we're vetting for recruitment purposes, you know, you have the the wage bill, the transfer fee, um, and then you know the the unique market dynamics of going to Celtic in in Scotland, and you know the, the issue uh, the market has shifted dramatically in the last five years. And I would argue even within the last 18 months, you know, what, when, what you are seeing, you know, everyone's watching Romano's Twitter feed and you see, you know, all the deals that are coming through, you know, you're seeing bigger clubs shopping down market, you know, so where you are seeing the volume is in, you know, price ranges that you would theoretically think that Celtic would be competitive in, you know, in that five to 10 million uh, dollar euro or, or, uh, pound range, whether that's clubs like, um, you know, I, I, there's a, a benchmark I used here. Cause it, again, I, to me, it's, it's kind of a perfect example of, of the arc, the development arc of a Celtic quote unquote player, um, that's going to FC Dallas. Okay. And this, this guy's Pete, I've never heard of him or seen him before, but he's Peter Musa. So he was, he was at Benfica. So Benfica's just sold this guy for 10 million euros apparently to FC Dallas, which yeah, I don't follow the MLS that much, but that's kind of a run of the mill MLS club. That's, you know, so that, that's a middle class to even below that, you know, that's not LAFC. That's not LA galaxy or inter Miami or, you know, uh, the, the city group club in New York, you know, they're not a big spender Seattle. Like they are not a big club in MLS and they're buying, a 25, soon to be 26 year old striker from Benfica for 10 million euros. 
who had been sold to Boa Vista from Slavia Prague for 4.25 million and then sold from Boa Vista to Benfica for 5.5. Okay. And he came through some club at Zagreb and then got bought by Slavia Prague. So where are we at in getting that 4.25 slot when he's 22 and 5.5 million? Like that's, those are the, that's the level that we should be buying theoretically. Like that's, I think, aspirationally what we've been talking about mostly with maybe a stretch to that 10 million range for, for that player to put you over the top for the champions league to get that third slot or to be competitive into the late rounds in, in the Europa league. Um, we're no, we're not even there. Like that's, that's not where we're shopping. We're, we're not, we're in the one to 3 million pound area. And the problem with that is that market is picked over, you know, big time, a lot of, you know, almost everybody, including the big clubs now are shopping and, and picking over that because they're going younger and younger and younger in that price range in order to attract talent. Um, so our ability to identify the talent at that price point with the way the associated wage bills that we're targeting, you know, it's a, it's a stress testing of a system that's not working well anyway. Right. So we're, we're looking for needles and haystacks with blind people, <laughs> you know, to, to, to be um, a bit absurd about it. So we're, we're causing our own problems by not, um, you know, shopping in market segments that are going to be higher priced. But again, if we're not going to do this now, when are we going to do it? You know, with probably, and again, this is nuanced. It's not actually what it's going to be released at, but tell that to all the supporters that are about to see possibly a hundred million dollars in the bank balance when the interim re- report comes out. And that's possible. Like we might see that number, uh, or it might be in the nineties plus, um, coming out of the champions league money and all that stuff. And again, it's a timing issue. It's, that's not all cash that's actually at the club permanently. A lot of that has to eat up expenses in the second half of the season, the way that cash flows work at the club. But that's going to come out after this window's closed, probably within the next week or two. How's That's going to go over, you know, as I've joked before, like a wet fart at Christmas dinner. That is going to be, you know, and, and we can't ratchet up the, the wage bill structure some in order to buy five to seven to eight million pound players. Um, and yes, it is going to be riskier. That's de facto. Um, that's why you've got to have the right people doing the recruiting and doing the analysis and, you know, running all of this stuff. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it, it, there's, there's still business being done, um, at the price points that we would be active theoretically, but you know, this goes back to what's being brought to Rogers. I Kuhn's a marginal player, right? And, and again, mm-hmm. he's a 24 year old who went for 3 million. What do you think he's going to be? <laughs> he's probably not, you know, he's not Jota, you know, or wasn't Jota as far as pedigree mm-hmm. even. Um, so, you know, to, to expect some of these guys to, everyone to be Matt O'Reilly or the outliers that you, you pick off for peanuts, um, you know, or another Van Dyke or some of these things. I mean, that, that that's, those are unlikely to happen with any kind of frequency. Speaking of Jota, there is word that he might be going to West Ham. 
which would be and then they kicked it back now yeah that collapsed they said yeah so okay (laughs) and i would have been i would have loved to see that i would that would have been great i like they've they've got some absolute ballers at west ham at the minute it's very funny that they're playing under david Moyes. um can we run through some quick rumors that i'm seeing across twitter because i haven't been on twitter so i've seen none of the real rumors at all i've just been kind of monitoring uh things that have been reported so (laughs) uh, celtic have knocked back um offers for james mccarthy and the word according to twitter is that <laughs> and I, I like, like I'm using Twitter as my source. I know I'm yeah. supposed to be a journalist here, but the word is that they wanted them to pay a higher percentage of the wages, so it was a Greek side. Uh, so instead of letting him go out on loan and letting them pay some of his wages, Celtic have decided to keep him at the club and pay all of his wages. So it's it's great to hear. It's great to hear. Uh, the next one, Alan, this one is actually quite funny. Uh, Larwin Kazawa from PSG, a left back who is uh, labeled a misfit uh, in the online articles. Uh, misfit generally means asshole. So uh, are Celtic going to sign a 20 million left back from PSG who's an asshole and is getting paid over 100 grand a week? <laughs> Just yeah, no. <laughs> to, to back up Greg Taylor. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's, he's, he, does, he he likes an injury as well, doesn't he? I think I don't think he's the most reliable. He does, yeah. yeah, he's played. He's played. Um, he's just like off an eight, ACL. Eight, he's played like eight games in in a couple of years. Right, oh, brilliant. That's <laughs> sorry. Um, I got the whole the whole Adamida thing last night just made me very grumpy, and I've not really recovered. Since then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I. Yeah, it's 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 such a bizarre time. So, look, we don't have long left on this podcast, but in terms of where we go from here, because it it can't all be doom and gloom, right? So there has to be some pressure point to this. Where okay, so the transfer window, January transfer window, wasn't wasn't good. Let's move past that and move on to the rest of the season. So, Alan, like one summer has passed. One tra- one January transfer window has passed. The results aren't awful. The performances aren't great, which is the main pressure point for Brendan Rodgers at the minute. He's won two derbies, which has definitely given him a little bit of uh, wiggle room in terms of the league. But if there's tension in the boardroom with Brendan Rodgers, like there was last time, I mean, he left the club on very bad terms. Even if he wins the league, like, is this something that we should really be worried about? That, like, you know, Brendan Rodgers might just leave at the end of the season, even if he wins the league, because suddenly what he referred to as a well-run club with good systems now in place has seemed to collapse around him in his first year. Yeah, well, I mean, I suspect you know, in an in a any sporting club where there's lots of alpha males, these kind of tensions are probably not unusual, but. Um, you know, we we do fixate on them, uh, obviously. Um, yeah, listen, um, it's it's a tricky one. I, I, did, I get I get the impression that it's just an, an impression, really, that there's a belief within Celtic that, that that inherently we've just got a better squad of players in terms of the SPFL, and that that's enough to win the league. Now that might well be true, and I, and I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that, but it. There's a lot of risks as we've been talking about. I mean, I've been looking today to come back to data and performance and what we normally sort of talk about. 
I've been looking today at our sort of defensive uh, part of the stats where you've been plowing through Statsbomb, looking at um, XG per shot and so forth. And it's rather alarming that <laughs> last season we uh, we gave up the lowest XG per shot of any team in the league, and this season we're giving up the highest. I mean, that's remarkable, actually, for Celtic to be top of the league and giving up the highest XG average per shot of any team in the league. That's, that's remarkable. It's also remarkable that... Do you that- have this... Uh, this is the wrong way to ask this question, um, but... Do you have that per capita <laughs> in the sense of uh, what's the percentage level in the oh. amount in the level of the amount of those? Yeah, so I think last season it was something like we're talking this is per shot, so we're talking about a very small number here. So something like last season it was something like zero point zero eight one XG per shot average. And this season it's gone up to point one one, which is about a forty two percent increase. It is a forty two percent increase. And is is that over the same is that over the That's same amount every, of shots though? Um it's it's actually more shots. So it's a it's a more it's shots. a worse it's a worse okay. it's a worse outcome or a worse quality of shot that we're facing in terms of better quality of shot for the opposition and and we're giving up more shots. And we're also giving them up closer to goal. Last season we were the best in the league at restricting opponents to shooting from I think it was an average of over seventeen meters per shot. That's gone down to about fourteen and a half, which is actually the worst. We allow shots closer to our goal more than any other team in the league, which is remarkable, considering how how what how it how unbalanced the league is. So things like that have been kind of worrying me, I suppose. And then, you know, you look at um and, you, and, and actually, so they got, I, did, I actually got the two shot mats from this season and last season, and I just looked at them like this. Like, if you look at them very quickly, what you see is the number of sh- shots like moving closer and closer to goal this season compared to last season. It's just remarkable, um, and, and and the number of shots that are just closer to the actual physical goal in the six yard box has just gone up substantially. You know, we've got a goalkeeper. So that's why we've got this metric. I think James will be able to explain this better than me. But basically, they look at they look at every shot and they work out what is based on historical outcomes. What would be the optimal position for the goalkeeper to have stood stood in just a starting position for them to have potentially save that shot, and how far from that optimal position is the goalkeeper? And no goalkeeper in the league is on average further from the optimal position than Joe Hart. Um, now. The, 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 there is a number associated with this, which is one point eight nine. But I don't, but nowhere, and I've looked, I've looked all the way through the internet on this. Nowhere does Stapswom explain what that one point eight nine is. Is it centimeters? Is it inches? Is it meet? Is it meters? Is it, what is it? <laughs> so I don't know what the number means, but I just know that Joe Hart's the worst at it in terms of start. Yeah, you know, could be, what, could be what yards. Well, might, well, they don't do yards, though. Everything else no. they, they do, things like aggressive distances and yeah. what have you is all in metres. But 1.8 metres is huge. It's like, it can't be that. It's got to be centimetres, which is obviously quite small margins. Anyway, yeah, that's an average. That's that's like an average. That's each and every shot, right? So I'm looking at things like that, and I'm just thinking, you know, that, that kind of you know worries me, I suppose, things like that, really. Um, you know, we know we know the rest of the league isn't very good. Um, we d- we did have a good run of form, which you know. Then we had that really odd performance against Ross County, which was incredibly flat and frustrating, um, and that's kind of got everybody everybody worried a bit as well. But yeah, I am I am concerned. I I I, I, I don't, you know to me Celtic should be miles ahead in this league, even even if Clement is a is a sensible manager, which he seems to be. They should still be miles ahead given on the given the uh, the resources and so forth. So I'm still I'm still concerned. I have to say.
if you look at the league table or just the the very basic stats rather than going in depth at the amount of goals Celtic have scored um this season which is 54 goals scored compared to last season at the end of the season so after 38 games Celtic had scored 114 goals so we're we we've got to basically double or the amount of goals we've scored this season in the space of 15 games to to make or even even just like get close to how many goals we scored last year and we also have conceded um over half the amount of goals that we conceded all last season so we need to score double and concede half uh, as as many uh, goals for the rest of the season for us to even just have parity with last year's season which I'll remind you all petered out in the last six weeks so yeah it's certainly there's definitely I, I would I think I maintain with my point James is that the results have actually sort of been there like Celtic are kind of results wise still petering along in the same manner as they would normally every season they've they've lost um three games this season so far is it uh, two games so far in the league and they usually lose between three and four so like the margins are quite thin in the terms of the results but it's the performances that worry us like Alan's pointing out the underlying numbers are bad and then the actual numbers themselves are bad as well yeah the the competitive dynamics are nip and tuck heading into this were I should say were nip and tuck heading into this window, meaning that the kind of um, really any way you slice and dice, the underlying metrics is, you know, uh, coin flip territory. And the fact that from a results perspective, Rangers were able to close the gap now to functionally two points if they win their game in hand, again, with two derbies left, um, you know, it, it, it was 100% in coin flip. And, and I thought we probably, if we did decent business in the window, uh, would, would keep that lead, uh, marginal lead, you know, kind of like 55-45. I was kind of tilting. I, I think given what's going on with the injury situation and what it looks like our window may be looking like it's going to be, and at the flip side, I think Rangers have at least recruited – one very good player uh, in the midfielder that they signed. Um, again, within the context of you know market dynamics and um, you know the 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 amount that they spent, and one that might be good that you know is a flyer kind of of a prospect, um, and, and that you know again theoretically might do some things. Um, that's more than we've done <laughs> on a net basis. And we've talked about the concern about the keeper situation um, between the two clubs. So I, I'm, I'm, yeah, and I take no uh, pleasure in, in thinking this. I, it, it's got me quite disturbed, actually, is I, I think the value for money at this point is on Rangers winning the league, meaning that we're the, you know, the, bet, the, the bookies have us as a still a firm favorite. Um, I, I, I don't think that's the case anymore. I think we're, we're in the window now of, I I'd probably put Rangers as a slight, um, favorite over us. Um, I mean, you, you've got this issue with Carter Vicker. I mean, if you, if we are looking at the rest of the season, 
uh, where the availability of Hitate and Carter Vickers are now questioned or questionable. I mean, that that's really bad news <laughs> that, that, you know, if, if whatever's going on with uh, Carter Vickers knee and hamstring or whatever it is, is, is something that he's going to have to manage or, you know, there's even rumors he might be out for an extended period again. And Hitate looks like that's another multi-week, if not, you know, month or two type of pool again. Um, you know, that, I don't know. It, it's just, it's not what I was hoping for coming into the window uh, and, and coming out of it. And, and again, back to this idea of what's at stake with winning the league this season. Uh, the fact that we've devolved to this point where, again, I, I'd say best case, a reasonable person would put it, you know, maybe 60, 40, if they're being, you know, through green and, green and white colored glasses. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's just it's kind of ridiculous that that's where this has been allowed to devolve to. Yeah, uh, Alan. Final question. So, like, just to follow up from what Jim said there. I think fans and Celtic fans in particular are naturally pessimistic, but I think pessimism might be a bit of a realism in this scenario. Like, I do agree with James. I think it is going to come down to the wire at this point by the end of the season. And it looks to me like it's going to be Celtic are going to be hanging on for dear life by the end of the season if they're still top of the table. Essentially, what we need to happen is for Celtic to continue on the results, even if the performances aren't there, we need them to continue with the results. We probably need Rangers to drop points along the way somewhere and we need them not to gain ground on us um, in the two derbies that we have left in the, the season. So from me, from my perspective, it looks like Everything has to go Celtics way from now until the end of the season and everything has to go against Rangers from now against to the end of the season. And based on the underlying numbers of both teams, that's not the way it's trending. Well, there's lots of, lots of different inputs and you know, expected points models and so forth still have Celtic kind of to win probably by four or five points, actually. So it's not all doom and gloom. But then, you know, I think the way I look at it is... You know, for me, the, if it comes down to a tight title race, the best defence usually wins, right? And we are not—we don't have the best defence in the league, and that's what's worrying me actually. Um, I mean, I've been—I've been mainly exercised by the the wing play most of the season. I still think that's an issue. I think—I think it's criminal. We're criminally underutilising Kyogo. It's shocking the level to which he's not being his strengths are not being played to actually. And it's mainly down to you know, the service that he's getting, and I don't know why we're not improving on that. Um, however, you know we have to accept your point that we're not going to match last season's um, you know prolific season, but we're still in attack. We're still pretty decent. We're still averaging a good number of goals, xG, and all that. We're probably leading the league actually. You know we've got the best attack in the league. Let's be honest about it. So that's all good. But defensively, as I said, um, some key metrics. We're not only we're not. It's not just that we're second defense. We're actually got the worst defense in some in some aspects. In some key aspects, we've actually got the worst defense in the league, which is alarming. It's shocking, really. Um, and and as I say, a good defense will always generally will generally be a good attack if you want to come down to a tight a tight race. So um, that hence hence you know the unavailability and part of the, part of the reason for this has been the disruption at centre back, where you know as a whereas we had. Carter Vickers and Jens for the first 
quarter of last season and we had Cartrick and Starfelt for until basically until the league was won. Um and and they were they were a pretty steady combination. This season we've had six different combinations. The only the only constant has been <laughs> dear old Liam Scales. And and it's been you know a never a never changing rotation of of and, and that has that has a, has an impact has an impact to, to the team in terms of the stability. Add into that, you know, a goalkeeper that you know isn't you know as, as James has said is a is a plant pot as far as moving off his line and all the evidences were he's you know he's, he's you know he's, he's coming for even less balls and we're, we're allowing the opposition even closer to our goal. And and his positioning is is, is is as bad as any goalkeeper in the league, you know. These are all risks that that, that in the big games can can manifest into into the the odd goal uh, in in a big game where 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 it, where it matters. So, as James says, it's far too close uh, to call now, and and that's that's in itself is is a shocking indictment of the club. Really, um, sorry, that's a bit doom and gloom, but it's just it's kind of where we are. And as I say, I think the, the, the I think the, the the summary from from the three of us really seems to be that you know we haven't actually done anything in this window to mitigate all those things which we have talked about during the season but we just perhaps hope that with people coming back from injury and with recruits in January that we'd address some of these issues but that doesn't seem to be the case yeah I think that's fair enough all right I need to go catch a train so Mm -hmm. that is where we will uh, wrap up the podcast for this week uh Apologies again for the delay in bringing the podcast back, but we should be back to semi-regular scheduling at least um, over the next couple of weeks. Um, the Celtic take on Aberdeen this week, so we will be back next week with our regular uh, sort of breakdown of that game. And it won't be all just uh, grand scheme talk. It will be some uh, actual football talk as well on top of that. So until then, uh, catch us in the usual places and we'll catch you next week. Good luck. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 